Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. You'll be like that tree planted by the river of waters. And so I feel like, whew, this was a storm, you know. But when I uh, stood by her graveside and, um, and, and was there, I just felt like God was saying, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. That's what helped me to stand at that time. Pastor Paul's guest today is a familiar voice to listeners in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Keith Stevens is the morning host on KTIS-FM, part of the Faith Radio family. And Keith joins Pastor Paul today to talk about the trauma of losing his wife recently and how grief plays a part. Welcome to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. All we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, I'm so glad to have you on Life Support. This is a program that maybe is different than other shows you've listened to. What we do here is we tell stories um, that involve suffering, trauma, difficulties in life, because we believe it's at these dark moments that Jesus really shows up. And uh, we want to glorify him because he is our Redeemer. And uh, I've got a very special guest with us today. His name is Keith Stevens. He is the uh, morning host of a very, very popular station here in the Twin Cities called KTIS Radio. And uh, Keith, it's so great to have you. Paul, what a privilege to be on your show. I'm humbled and blessed that you invited me to be a part of it today. Thanks for having me. Well, I'll tell you what, um, KTIS has been around a long time, and uh, you guys um, are knocking it out of the park. How did you get into radio anyway in the first place? You know, Paul, it's a great question. Um, It's kind of in our blood when we do radio. I don't know what it is, but I was born with it. Um, When I was seven and eight years old, I remember listening to the radio and wanting to be the rock star. You know, I wanted to be the singer, but I thought, I'm not very good at that. So the next best thing is playing the records. So I would listen to my radio under the pillow at night and listen to great radio stations growing up. Um, At night, I am radio because of the skip land and the signal would reach, you know, different states around the country you'd be able to pick up. So I think listening to radio like that inspired me in different DJs. Yeah, I mean, uh, in my former life as a a radio broadcaster, my first job was to play Wolfman Jack. And uh, I remember uh, spinning Wolfman Jack's show, and uh, that's how I got started. So, I mean, that's how old I am. Probably everybody's listening going, who's Wolfman who? Never heard that name before. I remember the Wolfman. I used to listen to him on Cleveland radio all the time. Oh, there you go. So that's where you grew up in uh, Cleveland? I was in Cleveland as a kid till about third grade, and then we moved to New Jersey. So I had two really great radio towns. One was Cleveland with those stations and CKLW. And then, of course, um, in New York, growing up with WABC and WNBC and many great radio stations. And uh, that's where I'm from. Well, those are all legendary. Well, it's it's great to have you. And uh, unfortunately, we're talking about a topic that's um, not real fun, but you've really used it um, in a marvelous way uh, to help minister to people who are also hurting. And I can hear it in their voices when they talk to you in the morning. Um Tell me a little bit about what's been going on with you and, and your story, Keith. Thank you, Paul. Well, Paul, as you know, um, you know, I, I lost the love of my life. The girl who I married, we were high school sweethearts. 
I lost her this past year to cancer. And um, we were married 30 years, but we knew each other 42 years. In fact, I was down in the basement the other day and I was going through some things and I saw up on the shelf um, a couple of items that I remember Sue bought and we were snow skiing together at 13. We were together. And uh, just before we left with the youth group on the bus to go home, she stopped by the little ski shop store and she says, wait, I got to buy these. I got to buy these. I go, what are you buying? She says, I got to buy these pins. I go, what are they? They little pins, you know, girls would buy a pin to put on their snow jacket or whatever. And they were a big boulder and Jack Frost. And those were the ski resorts that we went to and learned to ski together. I just found them downstairs uh, yesterday. And it took me right back to those glorious moments of just being kids, teenagers, and just being best friends. But out of that friendship that grew for years and years, we married and raised a family. And I just had to say goodbye to her last year. And I'll tell you, it's been, it's been a very challenging time, but boy, God has just used some of these moments in my life to help grow me into a stronger person. And you know, Paul, I can either sink or swim. You could either sink or swim. All of us, we could either say, this is it. I'm done with my faith. I'm done with, with life, or I'm going to just pack up and go somewhere else. But I said, no, no. God wants me to be still and know that he is God. And so I've shared some of the facets of these stories a little bit anyway, just scratch the surface over the last few months. Yeah, you, you sure have. Um, and I can relate to what you're saying. I've had two kind of major incidents in my life. I lost um, my wife to cancer as well. And then uh, we lost our son to a, uh, a murder about uh, eight years ago or so. And in each of those moments, I felt like I was at a crossroads. Um, either I was going to to turn toward God, or I was going to turn away from God. And I was kind of—I felt like Peter when you know Jesus said, "Are you going to stick with me?" And Peter said, "Well, where else would I go?" Amen. You know, it's kind of like um, you're hurting so much, like you can physically feel the pain. But it, I think. Um, Maybe you can relate to this, that investment in your faith at those moments um, really pays off. You can reap the dividends from the times where you're sowing in your faith, like out of Psalm 1, you know, blessed is he who will follow the Lord, who won't stand in the seat of scoffers or sit in the seat of scoffers, but delights in the law of the Lord, right? You'll be like a tree planted by the river of waters. And so I feel like, whew, this was a storm, you know, but when I uh, stood by her graveside and, um, and, and was there, I just felt like God was saying, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Mm-hmm. That's what helped me to stand at that time because mm-hmm. he was with me during passing through those waters. These are things we never expected, but, but, you know, God has used them to help us when, when I'm weak, then I'm strong, but I've been to the desert. I, well, you're probably going to be going back and forth in the desert for a while, and that's part of the, the grief journey. So when did you find out about this, Keith? What were the circumstances around that? Sue had inflammatory breast cancer, which is a very rare form of cancer. When you get a diagnosis of cancer, nobody wants that. But when you find out that it's a rare, unusual cancer and really hard to treat, that's one that really takes it out of the league of 
not that it's regular breast cancer, but in other words, it's not treated in the same way that, that most women who get breast cancer are treated. So because it was inflammatory, there was no lump. And you have, and to women who are watching, there's no lump, there's no sign of it. They don't detect it on a scan, but we were grateful the doctors did know something was up and they were able to do a biopsy. Even when Sarah, and years earlier, she did have a bout of, of breast cancer uh, earlier, maybe in 2014. So this was not recurring, it was a new cancer, but it was, uh, sure was tricky. Yeah, and that news, like you said, you're never really expecting it, and and then it happens. And uh, one of the unique things you you had to deal with is you've got children, and uh, you had to all of a sudden you're kind of thrust into this role. You're the you're the bearer of uh, not great news, and all of a sudden you're thinking, oh my goodness, like I've got my family here, I've got to shepherd some people. Uh, through this, what was going through your mind when you were starting to grapple with the whole reality of this? Well, to, well, Paul, the real serious part, you know, it's all serious, but we're hopeful along the way with the treatments of the cancer. And this, this most recent uh, cancer was January of 2020, uh, when they first noticed something not right. And so they started doing, uh, you know, some chemo and whatever. And uh, she passed away in March of 22. So it was a fast moving cancer, yet treatable until it wasn't treatable anymore. So with that in mind, there were various stages along the way where it was time to share with the immediate family and with the boys. We have four sons. Sue said, if I would have known we'd have four sons. I would have named him Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, we would have loved, but we have four sons, amazing sons. And they're um, two Old Testament, two New Testament. We have a Daniel, Matthew, David, and Thomas. So all the names are specifically. We didn't want to just do anything willy-nilly. We want to give them Bible names with a strong identity and strength. And so... Um, the challenge was, Paul, was how do you tell them? How do you not freak everybody out? How do you still give hope? And how do I share what my wife wants to be sh shared or not shared? And I'm a public person. So I had to bear a lot. Here's what I say to you. The person with the cancer carries the disease. The, the person who's the spouse carries the burden. Mm -hmm. And she and I had to balance that out. And the way we did it was because she would get so, I love her, love her so much, love her so dearly. She was so tender and sweet. She, she couldn't speak and get the words out. So she'd say, I just can't do it. I said, would you be all right, my love, if we sit the boys down and I speak for you and I say the words? and I'll share what's going on. She said, yes, would you do that, please? So that's how we did it. I had to kind of you know, bear that burden and then go about my day too, but always had an openness with the boys. When you share things with close family, you create closeness. If you don't share the information, it creates that everybody with cancer has to deal with. How do you share and what not to share and what to share? And those are tough conversations because one spouse may say, don't tell anybody. 
And the other spouse may be like, well, how can I not? <laughs> yeah, and there's no uh, there's no rule book for this. You're you're you know, there's no one way, like you said. And um, I remember I, I had two of those conversations with my kids. I drove home the first time after we found out Jody had cancer, the second time when it was terminal. And I kind of just made a decision, be kind and gentle, but just tell them. And um, because then you can begin a dialogue, right, about what this is going to be like and so forth. Yeah. So I felt I had to do it tenderly with the compassion of the Holy Spirit, with the love of my beautiful wife, and together as a family. In fact, when things got to the point where she was really having a, uh, it wasn't looking really good at the last couple of months, I decided we tell each boy individually with Sue and I together, not as a group, so that they could respond the way they want. And it was one-on-one -on -one with Sue. And she sat there and then they hugged her and they would cry. But God gave me the strength to share it in a, in a kind of just matter of fact, but loving way. I had to do that as, as the leader of the family. Pastor Paul is joined today by KTIS-FM morning host Keith Stevens. If you'd like to see the video portion of today's program, go to youtube.com slash life support channel. And now back to Pastor Paul. Yeah, so I felt I had to do it tenderly with the compassion of the Holy Spirit, with the love of my beautiful wife, and together as a family. In fact, when things got to the point where she was really having a, uh, it wasn't looking really good at the last couple of months, I decided we tell each boy individually with Sue and I together, not as a group, so that they could respond the way they want. And it was one-on-one -on -one with Sue. And she sat there and then they hugged her and they would cry. But God gave me the strength to share it in a, in a kind of just matter of fact, but loving way. I had to do that as as the leader of the family. Yeah. Um, and that's not an easy thing at all. But um, God does show up. You know, isn't it amazing that um, right when you need God's power and grace, it's always right there. Like he doesn't promise us anything but uh, tomorrow. I'll be, you know, don't worry. The next step, I'll be there. The next step, I'll be there. And um, I've been in situations where I normally would have said, I, I, don't, I don't know how to... I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I still have many of those times, generally because my wife is always telling me, you don't know what you're doing. But that's a whole different, we won't even get into that. But um, God always provided the right words. He always provided the wisdom. He always somehow was there. And did you find that too, that whenever you needed something or just were get, kind of getting to a, a fork in the road that God just stepped in and was was there to steer you through it? I sought him out. I know I sought him out, and yes. But I think that coming to him was so important because I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't do it. You can't do it. If you're listening or watching this, you can't. You can't. And I remember before each conversation with family or with Sue, I'd, we'd open it in prayer to Almighty God. We would open every single meeting or conversation to him because you're right, on my own, I'm like, what am I going to do with this? I know nothing, but I know the one who 
complete what he's called us to do until that day of Jesus Christ. And Sue said to me before she passed, she said, you know, if this is God's will for me, so be it. If I go to heaven, I win. If I stay here with you, I win. But either way, I know God's going to use this. I said, honey, nothing is going to stop what God wants to do with this story. And your life is not in vain. And you will accomplish what God has set you out to do. So I believe in sharing these stories, Paul, with you and with a chance to share with our listeners and just minister to people. It will be God's healing to other people. And of course, my wife, your wife, our home healed in heaven. And I firmly believe that. I know Sue does too. Yeah, I 100% believe that. And I I can't think of a better comfort, a better um, a better way to be at peace with God's design than to know the future and to know, um, like I had an uncle who passed away maybe a year and a half ago. He was 95. And I would ask him, I would say, well, I know you miss my dad. You miss your brothers. You and he would just look at me and go, I know where they are. Done. I know where they are. But isn't that the hope of the Christian? That is our hope. Uh, we don't have the despair as the world has. We have the hope. Uh, we don't grieve like the world grieves. We grieve with what? With hope, knowing in whom we have believed, knowing place for you. If it wasn't true, I would tell you from John 14. So it's where she's gone before me. You know, when I go visit her at the cemetery, that's just a very sacred place for me. But I feel a closeness with her there. I don't know if, if you feel that way or if other people feel that way with people they've lost. But um, there is a closeness, but I always know that she is not there. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. Is, she is in heaven with the Lord, but I touch the stone and I say, hello, my love. I told you I'd come and I am here. And hello, God, thank you for telling Sue that I love her. Thank you for holding her uh, in your arms. I said, Lord, you know what? Um, I know you're close in my heart, Jesus. And I know you're close in my heart, Lord. Thank you for holding Sue in your arms and closely to you right now. And that's it. And that's the peace I have. So, Paul, I'm not through this. I'm not done with it. I need to, I'm taking time off next week, as I say, to, to sort through the wreckage and pick up the pieces. And um, it feels good to, to reflect and, and to mourn and grieve. But I know God is trading, helping me to trade in that that I'm mourning for joy and he's given me beauty for my ashes. And yet there's a closeness still with the ones we love and miss. And there always will be, we'll, we'll heal up. And I think I'll, I'll be able to step forward. And I'll hold on to those beautiful memories from our Christian marriage. And it, it, it was, she was, uh, you know, meant to be for me and me for her. Yeah. Uh, Keith Stevens is our guest. He's a, morning host here on KTIS Radio in the Twin Cities, 98.5, uh, sharing about uh, his experience losing his wife, Sue, to cancer. How important was it, um, Keith, to gather people around you, people that you trusted? And did you find a group that you could go to with any kind of an emotion or feelings or and express the even in the moments where you were doubting or you know darkness set in and that kind of thing? So important. And thank you for these questions, Paul. They're really deep. And you've all obviously wrestled with these or gone through these in your life. So you understand. 
Um, well, there's something called anticipatory grief. And with every surgery, everything that happened on the way to losing her to cancer, it's another blow. So I had those. I'd sit on the edge of the bed after she had a surgery, let's say, and she had so many. And I say, Father God, I feel it like a knot in my stomach, like, like a pain in my gut. And you know what that is? That's agony. I had agony for, for a couple of years leading up to this because I'm watching my beloved go I feel this, I'm weeping, yet she's strong. She was resilient. You'd never even know she had this. That's how she was. That was her strength. And yet I'm very, uh, you know, emotional and kind of wear my emotions on my sleeve. So for me, I had therapy <laughs> before this happened. I had counseling. I had uh, Christian friends. And boy, did I pull together my close group of friends and let them know right away, I need you guys. And I would have prayer. I would have friends surround me. I had my every other week therapy session. I still have it because I need support to walk through. I had my family and of course our, our immediate sons. But yes, having fellowship and people to talk about with is critical. It's critical. Yeah. Just um, okay. One more question for you. We're going to have you back, by the way, because I've got some questions about God for you that I think a lot of people ask at times like this, but um, what were, give me one or two things that people said to you that were helpful and one or two things that people said to you where you said to yourself, oh my goodness, like that was not helpful. In other words, as, as people are listening right now, how do they walk alongside their friend? I say it humbly, my listeners, I, I have fallen in love with my listeners many years ago. And so if you're a listener to the show, to KTIS or, um, you know, Faith Radio, but if you've listened, you know that I, I love you very much. And the love letters of care and support and sympathy cards that I received back from the listeners were a major source of help to me. And when we received hundreds and then boxes of gifts and people sent us ornaments or they sent an angel to hang in the window, an ornament or a book or different things, items for me, food and jars of hope with scriptures inside, all kinds of beautiful love gifts. I had each one of my sons reach into the basket to pull out a card and read it so that we all went around the room. I'm sitting in the den now where we did that so that they could experience the, the body of Christ and the love of Christ. I don't want to read all these by myself. I wanted them to read these amazing letters and outpouring. So that's number one, the, the gifts and love and cards that I received where people said, I'm praying for you was very helpful. Every letter, every note took effort for each person to do. Mm -hmm. um, then maybe the second thing that people would do is uh, make a meal or say, hey, I'm here for you. And it was very, very helpful um, just being there with me. And this was before and after. Before, I'd, say, I'd say they were, you know, was leading up to and afterwards. So anything that people would say as far as a scripture or a prayer or giving me a poem to put on my refrigerator. Um, somebody made for me a beautiful canvas 
saying, I've not gone, I've never left you, I'm always with you. And then it wrote a poem about, and it had, they made a big picture of Sue. They took it, I guess, off the webpage and they gave it to me. Do you know, these things I cherish, you cannot put a price on that. When someone does that for you and goes to the extent to make a you know, two by three, you know, 24 by 36 poster and frame it and have it on canvas with a love letter about Sue, ah, I am stood under the waterfalls of God's love. The waterfalls of God's love poured over me. Like you're standing in the summertime in a pool that they have those waterfalls that come down. You just stand there. And I said, Father God, thank you for your love. It's the people of God that matter most. You need that when you're going through crisis. And as far as things people said to me that was negative, I can't remember any negative things people would say. I I just don't. I, I never had that. I never had anything um, like that. Uh, people were very kind. Well, I think they can tell you're genuine and that you do care about them. And that's uh, this unique connection, I think, that you have, uh, Keith. And when you come back, um, I, I need to talk to you more about that. But I want to thank you for being here with us. Um, I want to thank you for sharing your story and how you share it so willingly every morning, which I know there's got to be times when that's not easy, but you fulfill your calling and uh, thanks so much for stopping by. I appreciate it very much, brother. Paul, you are a blessing. Thank you for all you do in the lives that you change and touch with your show every single week. It's a, it's a blessing and a, amazing to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Keith. And remember, you can watch a video uh, portion of this podcast, too, at fivestonemedia.com. Check us out at Faith Radio at myfaithradio.com. And I want to thank you so much for listening to Life Support. Life Support is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. The video version is available at youtube.com slash life support channel. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.